All right. Three, two, one. We are live. Welcome to the Hive. I believe this is episode 12. This is your host, Brian Wright, and I have a guest tonight who's going to say his name so I don't fuck it up. Anouk Trivedi. Anouk Trivedi. Trivedi. Yeah, Trivedi. Like Italian, yeah right? it, it does. Exactly. Doesn't it? I just omit the Anouk and everybody thinks I'm white. Or, well, or at least Italian. <laughs> or at least Italian. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So I, I was just telling you, I'm uh, a little bit tired. I'm actually really fucking tired. I'm exhausted. So the F-bombs are going to be dropping tonight because it's usually what happens when I get tired. I was on the it's road. It's your um. Yeah, it's, it's my um. It's my like. It's my um. It's my right. I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and Ben Askren was on. He said right literally every statement. So this is what I was doing, right? This is what I was thinking, right? That's what you just said, right? 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 I, I, it drove me nuts. I couldn't listen to it. I got about 15 minutes in, and I said, I have to stop. Yeah. There was just way too many rights. It was right, 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 right. It was so weird. The filler words. Oh, my God. Terrible. So but that's the filler words that's like, I need affirmation. Yeah. Right? I'm right, right? I don't know. I think <laughs> it, it, it was like a nervous twitch. It was crazy. I actually listened to myself. The first podcast I did and the second one, I was really mad because I said like constantly. Okay. I still do occasionally, but I'm really working on it because it's very annoying when you hear like all the time. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a 16-year-old schoolgirl. I should not be saying like before everything. No offense to 16-year-old schoolgirls. Fuck it. Offending to every 16-year-old schoolgirl. <laughs> and I everybody else that says and like. And everybody else that says like. Yeah. I find that... that the affect of like all the time is a I feel that it's a lack of confidence in what you're saying yeah sometimes it's also thinking so one of mine is basically I say basically a lot that basically like I'm trying to dumb it down for something like basically it's just oh, so you're an elitist <laughs> yeah. so you're an elitist I, I guess you're I an elitist know. I don't know wow I'm not trying to be but. wow I, I'm up here so I'm going to bring it down <laughs> for you to understand it's I, I, world, I write I write with a pen, you write with crayons. Let me <laughs> let me explain that to you. Let me treat you like you're a five year old. That's terrible, right? I should definitely stop that, but Basically what I think you should do is stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> oh my stop god. It. Tasting your own medicine. Wow. So you're not a professional athlete. I am not a professional athlete. You don't make any of our athletes better when they're broken. No, I get it. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you, don't, you don't teach any of the things we do. No. So I'm just here to... So what exactly do you do? For a living or what do I do here with you? Well, what do you do for a living and how did you get here? Okay, so for a living, I do analytics. So data analytics, data science, predictive analytics, whatever you want to call it, any buzzword that is going around the internet these days. But more or less, we're just trying to optimize profits. That's all. that's basically what I do for a pharmaceutical company. So you work for a pharmaceutical company and you work with their numbers to figure out how they can behave in ways that are more profitable. Correct. Okay. Have you Were you an athlete in life? How old are you? I'm 29. Really? Yeah. Getting old. I know. Sucks, right? Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Fuck you. I want to be 45. I wish I was dealing with the, the stress of, oh, I'm close to 30. Shit. I'm getting close to that where I'm going to be nervous that I'm going to be 50 soon. 
I got time. But see, yeah. I heard 40s are the best time of your life because you've already overcome all your basic hurdles that building your life now, you're into the wealth generation. You said, have like, kids. Said, said like a 29 year old. That's what I've heard. That's what you've read. That's what you read in some magazine sitting in an office no, somewhere. I swear to God, one of my cousins told me that, but on the other hand, he's an orthopedic surgeon that makes 700K. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I'm not accomplished at this point, but I can definitely say that sitting here at 43 is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. Okay. I didn't. I, I can't agree with your statement that you're at this evolved position. Okay. You're definitely at a more evolved position, but I guess it's different for me too. I have a little bit of the entrepreneurial bug so no matter what I do I'm never fully comfortable so I always feel like there's more miles that I have to go so I'm not a person that's throwing in a towel because oh I'm married I have kids uh, the business is good all that I, I don't throw in the towel and go on coast I haven't I, I don't even feel like I've gotten started yet I feel like the best years for me are still to come I think physically I feel way better than I thought I was going to. Everything feels better. The, the one weird one is, and it's not even all the time. I'll I'll spar with the guys, and then I won't be able to. I have no energy for three days. Or I'll spar with the guys, and I'll be full of energy for a month. It's the weirdest thing. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is, but that's the weird one. Because when I was younger, I would recover. Regards, no matter what I did, no matter how hard I went, I knew how long I would it would take to recover. Now I don't know. Now I'm like, I may not have to recover, or I may be dead for a while. That's I don't a know. I can't figure it. So, and I don't know what that is. Uh, it could be lifestyle, it could be age. I don't know, but I'm factoring to age because I never had that problem earlier. Definitely, my body was. In my 30s, I had some challenges because of what I did to myself in my 20s. I actually feel better now than I did in my 30s because I have really bad neck and back problems. But I, I'm not as abusive to my body as I was before. So it's, it. it's different now. But yeah, it's definitely – it's not what I thought it was going to be in, in a lot of really good ways. Because okay. when you're 29 – you think 43, 44. You're thinking, oh, he's starting to get that's old. A while, uh, not that you're getting old, but I feel like that's a while off. And if I have goals, I'm assuming that I'm going to achieve them by that time. And that's not completely true. And I, I, know, that's, uh, and I don't know if that even is true anymore because of the way things have changed so much in our world. I think maybe 20 years ago that was the case. I had, a, I had somebody that was a business partner of mine. He said, if you don't make a million dollars by the time you're 40, you're never going to make a million. And I, I was looking at him like, that's kind of scary. Cause at the time, it's also kind was, of bullshit. It is bullshit. It's total bullshit. Yeah. But it's the thinking of a time. It's a generational thought. In yeah. the 50s, people treated life differently than the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and 90s and so on. I think that the longer we're living, the longer we're working – the different attitude we have, and then the internet's completely blown Correct. everything out of the Scalability water. Scalability today is very different from what it was I mean, at that time. So. My parents both started their careers in the 70s, really made their careers in the 80s, benefited from their careers in the 90s and into the 2000s. Uh, both my parents are still – I don't know if I should say their age, but uh, whatever. They're not going to listen. My parents are both – my both <laughs> – my support. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever. They don't get what I do. It's fine. Yeah. I tell them I have a podcast. And I'm like, what the fuck's that? You're not on the radio, you loser? You know what I mean? So, but they, they, uh, they're 68, both of them. And they're both still working. And they're not stopping anytime. I think both of them will probably pass away at work. And it's not because they have to. It's because they choose to. But that speaks to where I'm kind of going with this is that I, I feel that there's no reason to stop now. Yeah. Because of in the 70s and 80s when my parents were coming up in business, when I think about the amount of things they physically had to do, doing business and growing a business today compared to then, it's just completely different night and day. Right. I mean, you you don't really know life without a cell phone. You don't know. I, I had a black and white TV when I was a kid. Wow. Okay. And that was, so we had color TV and, that, and it wasn't like I grew up in the fucking 50s. But I, I, in the 70s and 80s, you had a black and white TV in the house along with the color TVs. So right. you know, you know now you buy the one foot by one foot shitty TV to put in your kitchen. Right, like, that was As the black. O- that the was the black. Inch yeah, yeah, that was the black and white TV in your house. And I had a little TV in my bedroom that was a black and white TV, and I didn't, I didn't have a re- uh, a wireless remote until later. And I went through the VHS and I had tapes and all that kind of stuff. But when I think about it with my parents and growing businesses, I mean, you had a telephone book, you had no. Apps. You have maps. Always, we talked about I this trip before. I maps, man. I can't like the idea that you have to map out everything instead of Google just telling you. All right. So my mom started her company in 1986, and one of the main things in her business was delivering gifts in the summer. And when I got my driver's license, I became the person that had to deliver gifts. And I got my driver's license in I graduated high school in '92, so I probably got my license '89, '90, something like that. So I'm using a map to drive and all this stuff. And you memorize the routes and you knew where every street in town was if you were doing that because you had to. Think about it. If you're a pizza delivery guy, same thing. Exactly. I mean, now, shit. Now, my cell phone, I go on Google Maps and I know where everything is, you know? That's that's what I grew up in. And I feel that it might take away from my faculties a little bit to be able to navigate without it. A phone. It's not necessary, but I also feel like it might be a detriment at some point in my life. But I don't know. Yeah. Okay. When when like The Walking Dead becomes a reality, <laughs> but the way things are going, Jesus, I, I think Google Maps is going to be what my son in ten years is going to be. Maps? What the hell is that thing? He's just going to have some GPS chip in his freaking head that's going to pull him everywhere. Phones. Who knows? Phones might fall into that same category. Well, there's weird stuff going on there, but the. Go thrown back a little bit before. Though, when you look at the amount of things that you don't have to do that you used to have to do, in terms of even, I remember when my mother left the company she worked for to start her own. She was hoarding pads of paper and pens because that was your primary everything. You didn't have a computer that had all your notes. I mean, you wrote everything down. You had to. You know, it was a huge office expense was a huge deal. You didn't buy a computer every year. You bought reams and reams and reams of paper. I had a friend. He actually he, he died in 9/11. It was a very good friend of my father. Yeah, it was terrible. It, it, but he was a paper salesman, and it was a massive business in the 80s. And then eventually, as computers took over and paper became less, then he got into the investment market, and that's how he ended up. He was in. He was the manager of the Canner Fitzgerald office that the first plane hit. Wow. 
but he went from being a paper salesman to getting into the investment side of, of the world to make a living because he had to because I mean there are people that are still paper salesmen but in 1985 there was a lot more paper salesmen than in 2018 <laughs> it's so crazy I even think about when we used to do promotional stuff we used to spend thousands of dollars on sending out these cards in the mail to let people know that we were on sale so we were spending thousands on stamps and printing and all this kind of stuff and now there's really no need for any of these things actually you know what's interesting about that have you seen the new ads on these new cards or business cards they're a little bit more evolved and they have kind of a memory thing attached to them it's not just a card anymore it's kind of a souvenir from the business that you're handing to yes. someone that makes them remember it's an evolution of what somebody gave me a folder today I'll get into what I did today later but someone gave me a folder it was a manila folder and when you opened it up there was a mini screen inside that played me a 30 second YouTube video Wow, it's just so weird but it, again the point is we're working later and we're doing more things because you have to do less things to be successful in things so you could do more you can, with less. Yeah. So as you, so I feel the people that had to do more have an advantage, but I also feel that those people, when they see what it takes now, are like, this is easy. Right. Why stop? I can take all that experience and I can keep doing it if they're if they're forward looking. My mom's not the most forward looking person when it comes to understanding the technology and how it changes. She keeps she actually still functions how she used to function. She has reams and reams of paper and still does her thing. But my father's in finance and my father, I mean, he he can he's a regional manager with with uh, Merrill Lynch and he can pretty much run his business through his cell phone. It's amazing. It's the new age. But his business used to be a lot of crunching numbers. You don't have to do any numbers in, in, in finance anymore. You have to watch trends and you have to be aware of it. But if you work for a brokerage house like Merrill Lynch, you're selling packages, you're not selling stocks. Correct. So you're selling programs. So the personal relationship is everything. You're really a salesman. You're really getting – you have to translate your info. So he went from having to really understand the market to then really being able to sell the idea of the market. And he has to do well for people through the products that his company offers. I think under having to understand it the way he did, it's kind of what you said before with maps. Well, if you lose if, – if the internet goes down, how are you going to figure out where you have to go? I think people that came up with a compass – are the ones that we're all going to be running to going, hey, i got to go somewhere. Get me there. It'll become a skill set, a value yes. skill set. So. And it's funny. I'll pull it all the way back around to what we do here at the gym because the one thing I always say about people that are training is that when the world does go to shit, everybody's going to be coming to us because we're the only people that are actually functioning on a physical level every day in this world. And I find that the people that come to the gym – being able to put your phone down, be able to disconnect, be able to not be stuck in that synthetic world which we have to operate most of us in our in our other lives, you know, there's a there's a there's a sense of I don't even know the word, but it, it, it it's a kind of it's comfortable for me when I come here. It's like a, it's a comfortable place. It's a release. Yeah, it goes. It's you can go and just be purely human instead of being plugged in. You're completely disconnected, and you're just who you are. And your phone's not going to help you kick any better, and it's not going to make you move any faster, and any of that stuff. You can't even learn how to do this because of it any better. You just come in and you do your thing. So, uh, going back, I'm always just curious too. So, 
I don't care how you found us because I'm not sitting here trying to say my marketing's so great or anything like that. <laughs> but I'm curious to why somebody that does what you do without an athletic background was interested in something like this. Okay. So I did have some athletic background. I played basketball in high school. So well, don't take that away from me, man. <laughs> how did the Indian kid from Asbury play basketball? I think it fits all together. <laughs> um, I figured you'd be on the track team running away from all those guys that are trying to kick your ass for your lunch money. Right. Um, so really it was a function of two things. One is that I went to the gym often. It was, I always wanted to be in shape. And then the second thing was that I wanted to take the strength that I developed in the gym and put it to use into something and be constructive and learn something that's more than just being physical, but also kind of mental. It's funny. I So many people I run into feel the same way eventually about training. You can only pick things up and put them down so many times before you feel like, I need to do something more. Uh, you want to do more to develop strength. You want to take that strength and actually do something with it. Right. You just don't want to be strong. What's the point of being strong if you can't do anything with it? That's one aspect for sure. And then the second thing is the mental aspect of training and fighting in general, that you really have to be in a zen place in stressed out environments and be able to make great, Okay, what makes decisions. you think that though? What from coming from an, un, an uneducated space, how did you come to a place where you thought that would occur? Or did you not find that until you got here? I felt that from the beginning of when I saw fighting. Um, okay. As a sport, I'm, I like to read into things and analyze them. So as a sport, watching fighting, what you see every time two people step into a ring is that they block out everything else that's going in their lives. They're focused on the three minutes, five minutes. Whatever you would hope. Maybe. You would hope. I would hope, right? And while they're in there, all that matters is being able to foresee what your opponent's going to do and how to react to it and how to proactively preempt that attack to be better. There's, a, there's definitely a romantic aspect to combat sports. And when you are looking at it from the outside, depending on your mindset, the romance of it can be in the sense of a challenge, in the sense of you know, uh, high-level problem-solving uh, it, it, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Some people want to look at it from proving toughness. Some people want to actually be good at it. There's a million and one reasons why people come to this. And I, I always find it interesting to find out what is it that you are looking at that said, made you say, I want to do this. Because a lot of people look at that. And the thing that they feel is so romantic about it is the thing that makes them scared to not do it. So you you there was an accessible aspect to it for you. There was something that you saw and it wasn't, oh, that's really great that they can do it, where you were seeing it and saying, okay, if I do it, I maybe can get that too? Yes, and I could make it applicable to my life. I don't think that I'm ever going to be a fighter, but I do think that fighting or drilling or whatever it may be. Training. Make, training, right. Training combat sports. Training combat sports will make me better in my life. That's cool. You know, the, I talk about this a lot, is that I've, one of the things I like about MMA, even at the highest level, so we have UFC guys come through here. So for us, that would be, if you're, if you're part of a football team in high school and NFL guys were coming into practice with you, 
it's different. Where the thing that I like about MMA is that it, I think it's the most accessible of all sports out there. It's the one thing that a guy with a with, with the right mindset, with the right skill set, and puts a couple things together, has an opportunity to actually participate in this sport if they choose. And then if they don't want to compete, they can be around competitors in a, in a very applicable way. There's no problem with you hanging out on the mat while Carl's here, where you're not going to go and throw a football next to the Giants while they're practicing preseason. You know, there's like this... It's very accessible aspect of MMA, and, and that's what makes I, one of the reasons why I think it's so popular. And a lot of people they look at it as a blue collar sport because it's almost an everyman sport. There's no like these guys are superheroes, but they're so accessible it kind of breaks through that a little bit. Absolutely, and I'll say from my perspective, training with someone like Carl or being around him, you find out that there's way more things that are in common than you think. Just because they're a fighter and you're not doesn't mean that you can't relate on some other level. I believe that we we as humans all are this have the same traits. And if you sat us all down so I my my stepfather uh, passed away from Parkinson's and I'm not. I'm Sorry not asking. No, no, I'm not. I, I'm not asking for sympathy. It's just. It's to for a relatable moment. When he was really sick, and I worked with him every day. Uh, I was helping him with strength and strength and flexibility because uh, with Parkinson's he has multiple. He had multiple system atrophy. So basically, he was losing the ability to. His nervous system was shutting down piece by piece. So I was working with him to keep the nervous system engaged. Keep his body flexible because one of the big problems there is you get stiff and whatever. It was a horrible process. This guy literally, his body's shutting down on him. His brain's completely fine. So you're a prisoner in your body. And I and we, we used to talk a lot because I worked with him every day. And it, it's, it's a heavy thing to go through. So we're talking deeply about it at times. And the, and the one thing that was really surprising is that one day he just said to me, he goes, if we all got in a room together and we all threw our problems on the table – when you see the things other people are going through, you'll take your problems back. And I said, you'll take Parkinson's back? He goes, Parkinson's is what I know. It's what I live with. It's what I deal with. It's what I'm developing a skill set to challenge. I don't know what the hell this guy's going through. I don't want that. I'll take my problem back. And that's a very extreme level of that. But I, I truly do believe that just from the human perspective, we all have challenges. And I think we all struggle to I, – I don't know if I want to say even overcome them, but just maximize the potential in our lives by dealing with all the issues that we have. And I, we all have them. That's one of the things about humans. We all have issues. And it would be ideal if we could help each other get out of our own way because yes. more often than not, it's just you standing in your own way. So – you're looking at these guys and you're saying, oh, they're doing this and it's really relatable. But I don't care what athlete, what person. I think if I took a, a vet, an NFL veteran and an MMA fighter and I put them on the podcast and let them all talk, they would be talking about the same experience. And I'm not belittling anyone's experience because I think the 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 struggle to deal with challenges, it's again, it's different arenas. But it's the same skill set that has to be applied over and over and over again mentally. It's the same mental process. The arena, the challenge, those change. 
But as humans, that's the one thing I feel that brings us together. And that's why at the, the, the most difficult times, we tend to come together because then we're sharing the same problem. And that's the basis for everything. I mean, that's evolution. It's whoever can solve the problem survives. Correct. So that's the thing. And that's why I find that you'll, in a well-run facility... I don't even know if it's a well run here, but I'm just like saying in general, if you go to a, a decent spot, you should have a very diverse group of people. Because, I feel that you have that here for sure. Yeah, I can't judge myself on that. So you 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 get a diverse group of people because the challenge that the facility provides is relatable. Cause I don't sell in a way, like kickboxing is the thing that later call. Carl Roberson just giving us the peace sign. He'll probably be turning the lights off in a few seconds because it's what he tends to do. I wasn't, but since you said it. Now because I said it. See, here it comes. Ready? And oh, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I told you. I've got to get cameras in so that we can understand this completely. But uh, something I talk about in marketing is that the idea – I call it the pink elephant in the sky. You have to you have to not the room, the sky. In the sky, because think of it, we're all wandering no matter what it is. When we're on our phones, we're flipping. Whatever it is, mentally, physically, we're all wandering and you've got to get that person's attention. So if you were out in the world and you saw this big fucking pink elephant, you would stop and go, What the fuck is that? That's what an initial idea in marketing always is. It has to be that thing that makes you stop and go, what the fuck? I'm being very crude in that statement, but you have to have that initial thing. And I feel, so in this brand, the thing that I grab your attention with is the martial arts that we do, the benefits that they provide on the general, very relatable level. But then once I have your attention, once I get you in, that's when we really get to work. I have to sell you first because I have to break through whatever challenge there is for me to get you to understand what we do. And everybody comes different. You came at this looking at things one way. Other people look at another. I tell a story about we have this one guy, Mike DiCastro, drove by the gym for six months before he even came in because he was scared to death. He thought we were going to beat the shit out of him when he came in because his perception of fighting and his perception of a gym that has fighters was – very different. The, the benefit of that for him was taking on a fear. It was like being afraid of snakes. Like he's afraid of yeah. big tough guys, and so he wanted to put himself in a position, whatever. And then he realized it's a whole different trip. But so you have to figure out like how do you break people down from what their thing is, and you can't break everybody. There's just we all have niches that we have to work. So there's a particular mindset of a person that's looking for something that I tend to attract, and that's why the group tends to be so sound here. It's because we're all similarly minded but that's because of the message that i send out so but once i get you to go what the fuck and then i got your attention the thing that gets you everyone here is the challenge and so as an instructor i'm not really i am teaching you skills but i'm challenging everyone and that's why i say a lot it's individual goals but a group effort so we all come in here and we all want what we want but we have to work as a group towards the individual challenges that are put out every time we show up. And that's what brings us together. And that's what creates the energy. That's what gives us the foundation to push. And that's what allows us to walk away and then 
have something we can apply to our own path in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I think that's what I come in here every day thinking is that, okay, after I put my shit down, when I get on the mat, it's like, all right, I want to make sure that I get better at this one thing, whether it be well, and, using your left leg but or it's, whatever. It but even, even that, by being part of the group, what you want to be better at that day, we may not even work on. So fuck you. You got to do what we're doing. And that becomes the challenge of the day. Exactly. You got to put yourself aside. But that's what actually makes you stronger individually in the end. You know, it's it's such a it's such a weird thing because you you would like the 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 bro science would is different than the actual science in a lot of ways. You know, <laughs> isn't it always? <laughs> it always is. It always is. But people think, oh, fighters, you guys gotta like kill each other. There must be teeth on the floor at the end of the night. No, we're like surgeons. If all we do is hurt each other, how are you gonna be ready to, for fight day? Right. You got to build yourself up. You've got to be strong for fight day. There are it's days not, that sure we go hard, and there are days that guys, you know, you're sore, you're beat up, you got to recover. But you're not. Hopefully, you're not broken. Broken is a mistake. It's not that's the purpose. That's not the goal. Yeah. Never with the goal. That's the number one thing that I learned when I came here is that nobody's trying to break me. They're just trying to teach me. But there is a certain level of conditioning, and there's a certain level of everything that you need to go through in order to keep up with the pack. And that's what I think you're speaking to is that the yeah. group group goal is to move in the same direction, whatever it may be. And that's what gives you everything you need to be successful individually once class is over. Exactly. Is there anything you do in your daily life that the intention is to break yourself? Never. So why would why would we do that here? That's what I don't get. Like people expect us not to be human. Like it, it it's it's this weird i think this is the most raw sport being that you have to be able to come in here willing to break down willing to break down to build yourself back up and i think that you have to do that for anything but this one or this sport it's so in your face that it turns people away that's just well, a hypothesis it turns away the the the, the people that want to be famous it's not I want to be a fighter. Like, if you want to be a fighter, you 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 scrap your way to success. If you want to be known as a fighter, you'll never last in a real gym. My my biggest issue with the bullshit gyms are the, they don't put challenges out. They just kiss your ass. They make you feel like you're doing it. See, for me, the success of the system here, the success of the group, is the acceptance of the challenge. And I believe that you are all capable of accepting the challenge and successfully navigating the challenges I put out or else I wouldn't put them out. I believe in the people here where the people that just believe in making money don't care about the people, don't believe in the people. They give them what they think they need to hear so that they'll keep coming back. And so it's just this big fake bubble. And then that it's bubble a gets – of positive feedback that – the once you it's step the outside bullshit of it, positive bullshit. Loop. Yeah, it, once you step outside of it, you are hit with a reality check. But in that circle, you feel great. You feel great, yeah. And you actually think you're being successful, but you're really just addicted to the positive bullshit because it's probably the only positive thing you got going for you if you're stuck in that feedback loop there. Because if you need that, you're lacking somewhere. You're really lacking. If you if you really know yourself and if you're really comfortable, you don't need people kissing your ass. 
You don't need people telling you good job all the time. You know you're doing a good job. You're good. And you should also be honest with yourself if you really know yourself that, no, I suck right now. You are telling me bullshit. You and, know I mean? Yeah, and if you are – if you're sound with that – see, the, the, the people that are really successful in everything are the ones that suck and don't care that they suck to in a negative way. It's just something to deal with. It's a problem that has to be solved or a problem to not be ignored. But I really, I don't really believe in fixing everything because I think we are who we are and we don't have to fix everything. I think if you're really good at something, just be really good at it. Keep providing value with it and it makes up for the things you may not be able to do. And the thing is, if you're part of, again, we're social people. We belong in herds. We don't live alone if you put us alone long enough we go crazy that's just what humans do if i locked you in a room by yourself every one of us has a point where we'll go fucking nuts you start talking to the walls because you need something to to talk to you can't just talk to yourself all day or you go nuts so for us if you know what you're really good at and you are effectively a part of your community you're using – you're allowing the other people to be good at what they're good at and then you create a collective of people that work together to achieve things that allow us all to do what we do well that works best for all of us. Like no one has to be good at everything. That's what other people are for. Like it's a waste of fucking time to try and be good at everything because you can't and you're going to be less effective at the end of the day. I totally agree. I think if you look at any effective leader – in any anything industry, in they, anything they know for a fact that the people they surround themselves with are better than them at something yes. that they need them for i will say going back on the other thing that you spoke about is that there's two types of people that are okay with being bad at something those that sit in the same place and are like i'm bad at something it's okay and those that move forward and are consistently finding things they're bad at and picking and choosing what to improve on i feel like some people get confused about the two, um, and that I don't. I don't know if I'm explaining myself completely, but say that again. I don't. I don't know what the fuck you just said. Okay, my bad. So there's basically some people that and I said basically again. There you go. Uh, Talking they, down to me. Let me pull my crayons out. Let me pull my crayons out. Can you draw the outlines and I'll just fill it in. <laughs> Sorry. Um, people that are okay with being average versus those that yes. are average at some point and they say you know what, I'm average at this, but I want to be better, or I'm average at this, but I'm good at this, and I'm going to move forward in that well, direction. Well, so, when people say the herd mentality, they say it, there's a negative and a positive connotation. There's a herd of people that come together to – there are people that come together to achieve something great. And then there are people that come together to have a big pity party so that they can struggle to accept their mediocrity. That is, to me, the definition of a living death. The second you are fighting – to appreciate your mediocrity, you're done. Look, this one, oh, I'll take flack. I don't care. I don't have a huge listening base. This will come back to haunt me like 10 years from now when this whole <laughs> thing's blowing up. People are going to go back to this one and they're going to go, I can't believe he just said that. Do you know who Ashley Graham is? I feel like I've heard She's the, the plus-size model who is the cover girl for Sports Illustrated. Oh, I believe – this was a huge article on CNN and – so now Sports Illustrated last year, I think I think they started it last year and they're continuing it this year. So now they have plus size models involved in the swimsuit issue. Now, I wrote an article about my opinion about this, and I'm going to clarify it. 
I'm not body shaming in any way, shape, or form. I have people in my family that literally have not spoken to me in about two years because they're so mad at me that I would challenge it. And here's my thing. What plus size models, I get it. Not everybody's skinny. Not everybody's perfect. Look, I'll take my shirt off and take a picture, but I, the reason I don't take my shirt off for pictures is because I'm fat. <laughs> okay? And I don't think people should be forced to accept me being fat. And I'm not body shaming anybody or myself. I'm saying I am not the ideal form for me or anyone else to aspire to. It is what it is. I have made choices and I've accepted my choices and I get it. I look the way I look because of the decisions that I've made and I don't hate myself for it. I'm comfortable with it, but I'm not I'm not telling Sports Illustrated that they have to put me on the cover of their swimsuit issue as a overweight person. I'm not even overweight. I'm just not in the best shape, but I'm not saying, "Okay, you you've had X amount of athletes, so you have to have X amount of out of shape people so that we make people feel better about themselves. When you look at 40% of the country is pushing towards pre-diabetic positions, when you look at the lack of physical exercise that you have, the detrimental problems that we have on so many levels from people just not taking care of themselves the same way, people that are fighting to accept unhealthy behavior, it's a problem for me. I just can't. Be cool with that. I will – I just commend you for writing that article. I also feel like that's kind of crazy because you are trying to do this, but I will But Ashley Graham agree also, with you. by the way, Ashley Graham, the thing that set me off, it wasn't – Sports Illustrated I had an issue with. I said, okay, you're speaking to a particular part of the population right now and you're just, you're just speaking very left – leaning sides of the world everybody you know has to have a voice kind of stuff and whatever I, I i can go off on that but i'm not going to at the moment but she did an article where she was saying that she works very hard at what she does and that she works out three to four times a week but her favorite snack is to double up on her carbs she liked like i, I think it was she liked bread and macaroni and cheese together and i'm just going okay this is not the highest level of whatever. Okay, some people don't like what's-her-face, Serena Williams, because she's big and muscular. Well, I'll take her on the cover of that every day of the week because she's worked extremely hard to be the human being that she is. And she's a successful athlete forging ahead. I, what, that's why I agree with you is that I don't necessarily have a problem with how people look. I think no, I don't either. It's rewarding mediocrity. Yes. That that's where it goes back to this is that not everybody that's overweight is choosing to be overweight. Okay, that's so why I think some people are saying point. to me though with the swimsuit issue that it's nice to find the balance because the other girls are starving themselves and this and that. And okay. I don't I think both extremes are bad. Physically harming yourself for an aesthetic is bad either way. So if you're not eating or you're eating too much, you're harming yourself. You're you're going against your humanity for a look. And look, the media really does a screw job on you. Go to go to the local gym and they have pictures of roided out people drinking their protein shakes saying, "Drink this drink and you're going to look like me." No, you're going to eat another 2000 calories in that drink, so you're always going to be fat and you're always going to be walking on the treadmill and you're going to turn into a human gerbil wondering why you can't get skinny. It's just stupid. The whole industry is going towards people that are not deeply 
thinking about what they want and then working on finding the skills necessary to achieve it. And so instead, they sit on the treadmill and they're justifying their mediocrity and they're not really challenging themselves in effective ways because they're whatever about it. But the fight for mediocrity in me is just the most frustrating thing in the world. I said everybody should have a voice. Everyone does have a voice, but not everyone needs to be heard at the same level. I agree with that also, and I think that's upon us. But this is where I'm going to bring you back. You like what is, I say. You you but, say you agree with me all the time. You're, I'm going to keep bringing you back. <laughs> but you make my, me feel good about myself. My here. one thing here is that the media is really the culprit because we're. But is it the media? To, the media. It's a feedback cycle. Why right? is we it, feed into the why, media. The media keeps feeding us the same. It's bullshit. it's trillions of dollars wasted on this negative feedback loop. So this goes back to have, do you watch basketball at all? Not really. Okay, but you know Lonzo Ball. I have no idea who the fuck you're talking oh, about. Oh man, you have to check this out. This guy. Oh wait, wait, wait. He's the dad of one of the yes, yes players. Fuck that guy. Right. So this is oh, one of those situations. Man. He's Come trying on. To, he's trying to create a brand. Good for him. He's creating a voice. But at the end of the day, what the fuck is he saying? He's saying absolutely nothing. It's all nonsense, and he's just. He's taking up time on the media and he's spending millions of people's dollars to make us listen to to him for no reason. He has nothing to say. It drives me nuts. Well, the fear of challenge – it's funny. People say that people don't want to be challenged. But if you look at – so karate, if you – Oh, I'm sorry. It's not Alonzo Ball. It's LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball. Yeah, my bad. Okay. Racist. Racist, you got your names all messed up there. <laughs> Come on now, but must be it. <laughs> can I call an Indian racist? Is that possible? Are you allowed to be? Racist? I'm sure everybody's racist. I think yeah. we're all racist. We're all to be racist, able to yeah. say that. that Let's just say if, it. if you Let's could say, say you cannot is. say that there's any group that it's impossible to be racist. I don't care what you think. They'll talk about power, or whatever. If you're going to speak poorly in generalities about any other group of people, you're fucking racist. That's the way it goes. But the. Uh, now I come okay. The challenge though, people say that people don't like to be challenged, but then you look at CrossFit. CrossFit is the most challenging physical exercise you can do. It's actually damaging if done wrong, like really bad. But if it's done right, it's really good. I'm not for or against CrossFit. I have pros and cons on it. I'm, it's I'm, this is non-judgmental, but it's hard. It's really fucking hard. They they celebrate throwing up in workouts. They they celebrate physical conditions that you know medically are not that sound they celebrate pain and they're the number one growing fitness activity on the planet people talk about karate and whatnot the most single most widely practiced form of karate in the world is our derivatives of kyokushin karate which is bare knuckle full contact karate where people think of karate and they think of people not touching each other for points Kyokushin karate, you have to physically beat someone down to win. If You have to knock them out or put them down. It, it's the hardest style of combat that I know of. It's bare knuckle, full contact, really fucking hard. It's a big part of my repertoire, but it's the largest style. Judo. Judo basically is the art of picking someone up above your shoulders and slamming them on the back as hard as you can. The, the injury rate in judo is extremely high. I mean, it's a brutal sport. It is one of the largest sports on the planet that's practiced. So people talk about how everyone's soft. I think that's bullshit. I think more people are looking for a challenge, 
but they're looking for a challenge that comes in a packaging that addresses their hesitations. So I think at the end of the day, if we focus less on getting people to accept mediocrity, because if you think about it, what are you fighting to accept in mediocrity? You're fighting to ignore challenge. So instead of going one extra step and figuring out what that person's damage is that they're trying to overcome, you're just saying, well, let me go really hard on steering them away from that for whatever reason. And it's, I think it would be easier. The path would be shorter. The effectiveness would be greater. The overall benefit would be more. Is just instead of fighting to accept mediocrity, fight to take on the challenges that we all want to take. That's where progress comes from. That's evolution. Why don't people do it though? That's where I'm, I just don't understand that mentality where people are okay with going with the herd. Because if everyone is strong, the people that are leading can't be in control anymore. Because or it's the people that are leading will need to be stronger. Yes. And I think that's the whole idea. It's all a control evolution. thing. It is a control thing. It's a control thing. thing. I, people get mad at me when I talk about religion, but if you look at the history of religion, if you look it's at monarchies and all today. that. But it it's is, always been a business. It was what we did to justify the shitty existence for people. I mean, religion was the reward for a shitty life. Correct. Hope at the end of the tunnel. Right? Hope and change. We really figured out what that meant. Like, And this isn't from some right-wing thing. Hope and change is bullshit. Like, it's hard work and effort. It's hard work, effort, self-awareness. There you go. You have to understand who you are. You have to put yourself into it. I don't understand why anyone would want to push any kind of doctrine that would promote us not really embracing who we are. And it's for control, though. That but was, that was exa- that's your point. I that's guess. my that, point. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just it's just so horrible to think that you actively are pushing people to deny their personal truths to deny the, the, the great things that they may possibly I will do. say in the defense of religion, there are some great teachings in there that you can teach to someone that is too young to understand their own problems yet. Take the control factor out of it. Take the, take the control factor out of it. Go to the core teachings on a, on a – I keep going back to the human level, but go back to a, a social integrated – accepting concept that the majority of them push the philosophies are sound that's exactly the executions and the dogma and the the separation of people over the higher definitions and weird practices like that's the stuff that drives me nuts i I don't understand why are we killing ourselves over something that we don't even know if it's true or not which i think is the core principle of religion it is a philosophy that's commercialized for control. I actually think that it's evolved into a philosophy, but I don't think it started as a philosophy. I really think it started from control because when we were people without the tools to communicate and to educate on mass as evolved over time, I really feel that these were ideas that we used to placate people that were asking questions. It got people to stop asking questions so they would go to work so that you would have things to wear and you would have food to eat and whatever. I think it's a mixed bag, and I, but I speak from my I'm religion. more cynical about it Sure, because so, I, I don't really subscribe to any of them, so I throw stones at all of them. Absolutely, <laughs> and I understand that. From a Hinduism standpoint, what is interesting about it is that there are so many philosophies 
embedded in the oldest texts. But if you, as you start layering on, and this has happened over a millennia, multiple millennia, you start to see exactly what you're talking about. Okay, go to work. Be happy with what you have. This but is look at, meditation. But, but look at, at the time in which the philosophies came about. And I'm not trying to say it's shit or it may not be true or whatever I'm saying. But if you really strip it all down and you look at where society was at the time that these ideas came about, it really was bringing order to chaos. Right. So we have to define our existence. There had to be and, some moral god. But we well, there didn't have to be. But that's true too. Somebody I, decided I to pull us out of the chaos and figure out what the light was going to be. And every area of the world kind of figured out what it was. But the problem, if you look at it, is the 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 it always became something to control people to. Keep that suppress mass of them. people in line. It became a suppression tool rather yeah. than something towards evolution, which is, I think, what the original idea of it was, to get everybody in line, stop the chaos, let's work towards something better. But when someone started working towards something better and got control of it and started becoming a leader, it turned into this whole idea that, hey, you know what? I'm gonna throw in a few more rules. Well, the minute people find <laughs> the minute people find out someone's listening to them and they can benefit off of that, shit gets weird. And I don't care what it is. This, I mean, in business, if how many conditions? How how many shitty know. managers have you known? Pretty much all of them. All of them at some level. At, at some level, some of them have some good traits, but you will see as a total package, it's very hard to find a really you're good manager. You're suppressing it at some level. Yes. It's, that's that's why I I've always gravitated gra I can't speak tonight gravitated towards being an entrepreneur because the the corporate environment where it's all structured the problem is everybody's covering their ass instead of actually effectively working so you're very comfortable with your paycheck you're comfortable with the life that you live from this job and you protect your life versus do better by the company, which it's so counterproductive at the end of the day. It drives me nuts. And the reason why being an entrepreneur is so important to me is that I feel that I need to be in control of my destiny. Where you are, no matter what you do, you're always in control of your destiny. But I need to be – I want to be able to make decisions that are going to have the positive or negative effect on my life to the greatest degree possible. And that's why it's really hard for me to be in positions where – I'm working with a group of people that they're like, okay, you got to take it on the chin. You know, it's going to suck because you're going to do the wrong thing, but you got to do the wrong thing so you can keep getting the paycheck. Paychecks to me, that you know you're an entrepreneur when you look at your paycheck and no matter how much money it is, you're like, fuck, I could have made so much more if I was doing this some other way. And that's when you know. Like I, I joke. I say I'm terminally unemployable. It's the truth. I mean, I'm in my family's business. I, I, I was saying, like, I'm exhausted. I had to go to the gift show in New York today because of my other life. I, I have a, um, a children's clothing company. My, my mother started a business in 1986. The company had some issues. They brought me in, struggling, growing pains, whatever. We're finally kind of like working out where the company's going to go. And I'm, I'm really finally, instead of her sitting above me, she's sitting next to me right now. And eventually she's going to be out and I'm going to be doing my thing, which for me, because I just said I'm terminally unemployable because it's really hard for me to. I it, it's hard. It's not that I can't take direction. I can't go in a direction I don't 
want to go or believe. Yeah. So that's why it gets difficult. There's a lot of friction at times with me when I'm trying to get things done. I have that I, same I have problem very with specific my managers. Vision. Yeah, and what of my managers have come to understand about me is that after they let me loose a little bit, unfortunately, that is the fact yes. that I'm able to drive things way further than if they were trying to kind of suppress me and control me. And that is my first key learning in my path to eventually become an entrepreneur well i do think so i i've done a lot of consulting for companies as well and the one thing i can see now is that with the changing it's the evolution of business culture as well so in the 80s i can't remember the root company right now but literally there was a root company that really understood that the pay scale of employees can be messed with to artificially inflate the value of stocks. So during the stock push in the 80s, people started to look at employees as commodities instead of people part of the team that's going to grow the company because the wealth was coming from the stock value, not so much from what was being done on the ground. So this artificial working relationship started to develop and people were just, you know, you, you would get it. So when you're not selling enough things on the floor. They would just eliminate positions nationwide, which would bring back a couple million dollars. And they'd say, look, we're profitable. Well, you didn't make that money. You just stopped giving it out to employees. Now the, pro the productivity of the company is actually down and we're going to sell less. So you're going to fire more. And that's where the whole thing with like massive layoffs and companies going under. And then when then it started being bought out and this this just exchange of nothing, that culture is starting to break because the people that were doing that are retiring, they're aging out, and the younger people coming up are not accepting of that. The golden parachute idea that so many people from the 80s and 90s have benefited from is changing. That It's still there. They're still, you know, the guy who sits top, really doesn't do anything, company doesn't do well, somebody buys him out, he takes off, you know, flies on his jet to Aspen, whatever. It's still there. But there's this army of people without equity. With you, the people talk about millennials and they shit on them. I don't shit on millennials at all because, uh, again, it's it's the arena situation of it. Um, you know, it's same problems, different arena, different choice, different path. I see that people have a the, the younger people coming up now have a higher minded look at it. It's not purely profits. They want to enjoy their life inside and out of work. Um, which does cause probably, I call it the North Star. No matter where they are, they see this North Star. They're like, man, I, I got to go there. I got to go there. So they're never happy where they are. But that happens everywhere. And it's happened in every generation. Uh, millennials, they say it happens more. I think it's because they communicate more because there's more ways to communicate. So there's a lot more thinking about where they're at. And that is something I talked about with somebody once too with um, Twitter and text messaging. One thing, big difference. I like to talk face-to-face -to, -face to work through issues when I have a problem. People under the age of, say, 35, what I run into is that they talk to me, kind of agree or disagree, like they'll lightly disagree or they'll just blandly agree. And then agree. they'll blast you on And social then I'll <laughs> get blasted with text messages or social later. And the one thing I started to really think about it, and it makes a lot of sense, though, if you, if, if you think about it. So I didn't have text messaging when I was a teenager. I had to talk to somebody or write them a fucking letter. <laughs> 
you know, the, like, and then the first form of communication I had was emailing. And my first form of text messaging was like a flip phone where if I wanted to spell something out, it was like one, 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 two, two, five, five, because I didn't have a full blown keyboard kind of situation. So it was just very different. Text messaging wasn't easy. And then you get this generation of people that only know texting and they only know Twitter. So my point is you have to communicate a big thought in a very short space. So you think more deeply about what you're going to say. And every single thing you type matters. So the placement, how you shorten it, what fucking emoji you use, is it capital or lower, like capital or lowercase. I mean, I've actually texted people and I hit all caps by accident and I was too lazy to retype it and they think I'm yelling at them. I'm like, no. There's a distinction between everything because you only have so many variations. So you're overthinking <laughs> yeah. communication. Yeah. So you you glance over real face-to-face so that you can go and think about what you really want to say and then put them on blast because it's just you, you get more comfortable thinking in the digital space than you do having an actual interaction where there's a back and forth because text messaging and Twitter is all give. There's no take there. You just give, 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 give. You're hammering people with your info. Even if they write back, you can just flood flood the screen. Yeah. That's, that's a fact. And the problem with that is that that's the only channel that most people use, which works. But right I now. think, yeah, eventually what it's going to catch up to us because we will need that face-to-face interaction. And you still go by that first five to seven seconds with someone judging them. That stuff is human. We're always going to do it. So are you going to judge someone based on how they text you or based off of how they present themselves to you? Yeah. And it's just, again, it's just different communication. And so I don't think it's a problem. I think it's something you just have to understand. And people that hate on people that behave in that pattern, what do you think they're going to do? Why would you not behave that way? It, it's, it's the guarded Auschwitz. If I said to anybody, could you be a guard at Auschwitz? Fuck no, man. Those guys. Whoa, that's so crazy. No, but put yourself in context. And I'm taking an ex- very, very extreme pos- thing to talk about. But there's nothing from the past that you can specifically say, no, I wouldn't have done it. Because you're speaking out of context. If you grew up in that world of that time with only that available and the pressures and the strains and the whatever, yes, there is a chance that you would too. And it's not, and I'm not justifying what anyone's done, but don't act like it's not understandable. When you, when anybody does it, and it, it, when you jump on the thing, when you, no, no fucking way would I have ever done that. Well, you know you would have, and that's why you're overreacting. You don't. You're you're too scared to actually have a real conversation about it and actually look at all the angles. You're just doing the easy. Fuck you, no way. Bullshit. Think about it. Think really. Think about it. I agree again, even though we keep agreeing. <laughs> I kind of need to disagree with you, but we are through these channels moral elitists to a certain extent because we could just say whatever we want and you're never going to get feedback on it you can go on anybody's page and tell them they're an asshole for doing whatever they're doing yeah what are you going to reply to all ten thousand people that said you're an asshole no you you can get away with murder on the internet if i if i get a if too many comments start coming through i actually just ignore it 
I can't process it all. I don't have enough time to sit on social. And I don't really worry about comments. I kind of put content out that I believe in, and I let it be. Just put it out, see what happens. And you know, I, I care more about does it get around, and I look at the analytics of where it goes. I don't necessarily care about the loop. I, I, don't, I don't say too many things that I really care about anyone's feeling about it because I believe in it, so it is what it is. And for me, again, even with the, the gym side of it, we all we all are here because we agree to be here and do what we do. I don't worry about, oh, are they going to – are you going to – I don't worry too much about – I don't even know the words I'm looking for here. But I know we're all in, agree- we're all in agreement here, so we're good. And I also trust the people that are here that if there was a problem, somebody would say so, and then I could have a conversation. Dumb people flaming me, I don't give a shit about. But if someone really had a actual conversation – to have about something, I'll have that. That's fine. So that's why if I put something out there, I don't really look at the comments. And quite honestly, if you had a problem, if you had a real problem, you would probably figure out a way to contact me outside of the comment section. Or not give it attention. That's the one thing I know. No, but if you really care, like if you really had a disagreement with me and you really needed to resolve it, we're not going to do it in the comment section. You'd probably email me or figure out my phone number, figure out where I am. I'm really not a hard person to find. I'm not famous. I don't have bodyguards. Like I'm an easy person to find. I'm all over the place. You can figure out where I am and you'll find me. And if you really want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. But I feel like that's the thing. I don't think I say anything worth really going after anyway, but who knows? I could be pissing. Hey, I talked about Ashley Graham. She might fucking get mad at me or some, <laughs> or some heavy lady. I had a lady, no shit, on Facebook. I, I, she was saying something about skinny people suck, and she was like, "I ride the treadmill every day, and no matter what I do, I can't lose weight." Blah blah blah. And I hit her back, and I'm like, "You know, it's just math. Like, there's, it's unless you have a real physical problem, it's math." If you're burning 3,000 calories a day like you say you are and you're only eating 1,500, it's impossible for you to be heavy unless you have some kind of thyroid or digestive issue that we're not addressing. But you're telling me you're healthy. You're telling me your doctors told you you're healthy, but you're trying to tell me that you're big boned. Like, no, you're not big boned. You're fat because you eat too much. This goes back to BMI. Have you ever – I have a problem with BMI. BMI is bullshit though. BMI is bullshit. Everybody's like they're in the perfect BMI range. I'm like I'm what severely, the fuck I'm actually severely mean? obese by the – because I'm 5'10 and a half and I think I'm supposed to be 175 pounds. I, I haven't been 175 pounds for more than like a couple minutes to make weight for fights since I graduated high school. And I'm not obese. You know? I'm, exactly. Like give me a break. But I, I did – but this lady was trying to tell me that I was crazy and that her body works differently than the rest of us. But again, she's fighting to accept mediocrity. Right there. You justify things to make yourself feel better. And it, in the end, it's actually harder for you to fight to justify the mediocrity than it is to just get up and do something. I'm, I'm not sure about the situation, but I think that same concept applies to so many people out there. Yeah, well, it's that's why social does so well in a lot of ways. I mean, Facebook, I get, I I have people on there that I've had to bounce because the pity party. You had a bad day, so you go on there and you post you had a bad day, and then everyone goes, I had a bad day too, or they feel bad for you, and you get the digital pat on the back. Shut the fuck up. Like I don't care. You had a bad day. Posting like that. for likes. Like I understand. Uh, I understand you had a bad day. I understand you might be reaching out because you actually have something. But if every day of your life sucks and all of your posts are about how much your life sucks, 
take the time that you've been talking about your life sucking and actually go make it not suck. Sitting around talking about how much your life sucks and trying to find people that are going to agree with you that your life sucks is just a complete waste of fucking time. Complete waste of fucking time. I think fighting through adversity is a muscle. And if you never use it, you'll never be able to do it. You have to try and actually get through the adversity you're facing. That's when you develop the ability to do you really, do you Do you really think it's a weird coincidence that most of the successful people in this world have had something horrific happen to them? Oh my gosh, really? Go figure. The guys that have had it easy tend to not be the ones that finish first because they don't have to. They never felt a need to. It's almost like a natural order. Yeah, I, I, I but, you know, Carl has been through some shit, and that's what really gives him the grit he needs. He, he's been through some shit, and he appreciates where he's at because he came to a place with it which he's made work for himself. Not everybody has been through shit and then can make it work. Some people, when they start to be successful after they've been through shit, they go a little crazy and they go and they don't really appreciate what they've got because they, they, they lack perspective. But the people that are very, the people that have good perspective, they're self-aware, they truly want something better. They're the people that take the negative experiences and use that as the fuel to create the things they want. I say all the time, my every success I've ever had is truly because of failure. Failure is my foundation. It's not success. Failure is the foundation because that's the only place I ever learned anything. Failure is the first step to success. Yes. That's the only way it works. Yeah. In uh, one of the one of the things I I always say it's Japanese dojo culture, but it's probably only the, like the one fucking Japanese dojo I went to. <laughs> but uh, you couldn't help people up. So if you took some, so when you're doing judo in particular, you throw somebody, you don't give them a hand up because if you give them a hand up, you're telling them they're not strong enough to get up after you threw them down. Give them the respect of, let, of telling them, no, I believe you're strong, and that's why you don't help them up. It's not, it's not like fuck you, I ain't helping. It's no, I respect you enough to allow you to get up, and that's why I think we all have to res- respect everybody's struggle and allow people the room they need to figure out their strength. And some people don't have the skills to figure it out. And that's our job to step in and help them with the skills, not take away the pain. You got to give them the skills to deal with it, skills to overcome it so it never happens again. Because if you take away the pain, that moment, they're not developing and they're going to run into it again. You lose the value. And again, and again, and again. Yeah. Every moment, you know. we all have to deal with our own shit. You can't keep trying to protect people. That's why the whole, you know, I people have really gotten crazy with the eighth place trophy thing and all that. I do believe you have to have a purpose. I don't think you have to murder a four-year-old over a soccer game, you know, and you don't have to ruin their self-esteem at that age over everything. I mean, I have a four-year-old, so I understand. I, I do want my son to understand winning and losing, and we do talk about it. He's a shitty loser. He's a horrible loser. He's actually a shitty winner. My son's a shitty winner. He rubs it in your face and tells you you suck, even though you let him win. <laughs> and he knows it, but he doesn't care. It's like, but it's something we deal with in time, and it's something I deal with incrementally, and I think everybody is parents individually. We all have to do it different. But the adversity thing is something that you definitely – you have to teach people from early on and – I, I don't think anyone's ever lost. I don't care 
how old or how young. I had, I had a student came through here, a student. It was a woman. I She was doing personal training with me. She started with me. She was 63. Wow. Super loaded. Never been through a ton of adversity, but never dealt with any of it. Just accepted it and got beat down by it. And then I just explained to her that she's allowed to be strong. And then we worked on actually making her physically strong. And then that translated into a lot of things because she started to understand. I don't give up on anybody at any point. You could be, you, you could have a minute left or you could have a lifetime. You always have something yeah. to learn. I think that's something that people take for granted as they get older and as they go through adversity. I think everybody makes this mistake, though. Even if you've been through adversity, you will eventually say, oh, I've been through this, so I don't need to learn anything from someone else. Well, you Anybody at any corner will be able to teach you something. Yeah, and you, you – it's – from a fighting perspective, it doesn't matter if you're the champ or the challenger. You always have to act like a challenger because just because you have the belt, it doesn't mean you have some magical power now that's going to make you keep it. Everything that got you the belt is what's going to make you keep the belt, and you never stop. Like When you throw the towel in, you're dead. That's why so many people, when they retire and they think they're going to be drinking margaritas on the beach, they die. Look at the death rate of people their after purpose, retirement. Their sense of purpose they lose disappears. It. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too is that we do – we are trained to make our purpose our job to a very unhealthy degree. So it, it doesn't allow us to effectively retire. We don't know how to create value outside of our jobs. Yes. That's exactly. a big problem. That's well put. That is that is the deal. Like if If – Everything, if, you're, if your self-worth is completely wrapped up in your profession, you're living a very shallow existence. There's way more to life than that. And that's what I think the modern economy is, is really exposing because there's so many things that we don't have to do anymore that are automated that gives us so much time to go deeper on the reasons why we do the things we do. You could be an idiot and just cash your paycheck and take all that free time and do dumb shit. Or you can figure out how to take that time and become better at what you do and understand why you do it and all that and you know evolve yourself. But that's the choice we all have to make. So again, I, I, I that's the self-medicating. You go to a bar on Friday night. There's a lot of people self-medicating themselves to accept that mediocrity again. Right. The weekend. Weekends are getaways from your weekdays, which is five days out of the week you're running. You want to know the what? Two days of the week you're like yes. It's kind of sad. I, I like. So my, I really don't ever have – I don't have a full day off ever. I work seven days. But Saturday is the one day I come into the gym. I'm only here for an hour, hour and a half, and then I go down for sparring with Carl. It's not a it, – it's not – that's not work. It's like the dream. That's living the dream. But Saturday afternoon, 99% of the time, it's me and my son or it's me and my son and my wife. And that's my weekend. And I do live for the weekend, but during that time, I'm itching for work. Right? And it's not because my self-worth is tied into my work. It's that I really enjoy what I do. So as much as I enjoy my family, I do enjoy what I do for my work as well, and I have a balance between the two. So I'm not like, fuck, it's Monday. I'm like, yay, it's Monday. I wish I could spend more time with my family, and I'm working on trying to do that more. But at the same time, I love both sides of it. So I'm never, there's never, hey, I can't wait for Friday. But I am like, hey, I can't wait for Friday because I see my son. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I'm not upset about Monday. Like, I'm not, I'm, 
it, it's that weird duality. But m- so many people I know, they can't wait for Friday. Can't wait to punch out. Oh, Monday, it sucks. Well, you, you fucked up. If you hate Monday, you fucked up at life. You just said a word that I kind of... Fuck, I said Well, not that one. Duality. Yeah. And I think there are people that live on two very opposite extremes, and those that are able to have a duality that is something close to one another are those that find true balance. I I think it's a different way of looking at balance in life. Yeah. But being, being able to be the same person in what you're creating value in and in your leisure... If you can combine those two, that's the ultimate balance. I, See, I don't know how to separate it. I don't. I am who I am, everywhere. I had someone say to me the other day, "There, I'll be honest. I got into an argument with my mother, and she she said, talk to me like you would talk to other people because you're getting too aggressive.' I said, motherfucker, this how I talk to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I actually said motherfucker too. That didn't go over really well. <laughs> but I mean, this is how I talk to everybody. It's so, shit don't yeah. change. Like I respect that you're my mom, but we're talking about business. So what the fuck? Like I am who I am. Like, yeah. that, that's the one thing. You know me. If you know me, you know I don't play a part. I do. I put myself in the proper, as best a context as I can. Living in the context, but not changing yourself. I am who I am within the context. You know, so that I—I I mean, I—I I don't go. I, who the hell wants to walk around and offend everybody all the time? I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to be effective. So I'll be—I—I I will, you know, context matters for me so that I can get my message across. Because if I, you know, some people really get upset when I curse. So you can't curse to some people because the minute you curse, the value of anything you say changes to them. It's the coffee or the cup argument. You know, some people have to have the perfect cup for that coffee to taste good but it's really the coffee it doesn't matter what fucking cup it is it's gonna taste the same mm-hmm. but some people it matters some people it doesn't some people it doesn't you know you you can loosen up a little bit more but some people you got to stay tight you know you, you i wouldn't wear i wouldn't wear a business suit to kickboxing class and i wouldn't wear my mma shorts to a board meeting it's context man right it's context yeah we've been going for a while and my my wife's my wife's uh messaging me <laughs> Because we uh, I, How long I have, have we been going? Going for about an hour and 15. Not bad. Not bad. No. So here's the deal. We didn't really talk about What anything. you wanted to talk about. No, I didn't have anything I want to talk about. But I asked questions that didn't get answered. So what we'll do is bring it back. We'll do it again. We'll talk more about stuff. I'll let you talk more. Uh, Excellent. I, when I'm tired, I kind of run my mouth. It's all right. I think we were going in the same direction, but you had a lot to say. Well, I know you agree with me. Well, you said it quite a bit. You're like Ed basically. You're like kind of you're like the Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson here. I like this. <laughs> yes, sir. That's very good, Shut sir. The fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> yes, I agree. Oh, fuck, I got to bring you around more often. But no, we'll talk more because there's a lot of other things from effective marketing principles that you and I talk about that I'd like to get into a little bit more because. One of the things we alluded to a little bit, but I, I this there's like core tenets I believe in, but the one main thing is, and we talked about it a bit, is we it's the same experience, different arenas, and I don't care if we're talking about fighting, if we're talking about personal development, or we're talking about marketing, working in a corporate environment, working in an entrepreneurial environment, it's all the same. And we've had some really interesting conversations about marketing and where the world's going. And, and it's really funny because the conversations are very similar to what we're having about social issues or the same conversations we start to have about it's all applicable. marketing because it's people. It's all people. 
that is what being human is. It's just about us and how we all fucking relate and how do we relate more effectively to achieve goals. That's it. That's what we do. So I want to get a, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I don't know when. Maybe we'll do it again next week. Uh, I'm trying to get some other guests in here. Can't just talk to you all the time. I mean, I'm a good talker, though. You're a good listener because you let me talk a lot. I talked, I think, 90% of this. Listening is key. Add that to the toolbox, man. So you're just saying things make me want to keep bringing you back. You agree with me. But these you're are letting true. Me talk. I know. I mean, Stop I think it. it's, it's just reality. Now you're being too serious. Now you're being too serious. Oh. I think you need to calm down. Relax. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever that serious. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't think you're serious, whoo, I don't know. You're a little stiff. Maybe. Or not, and I'm just fucking with you. You don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'll figure it out. We'll bring you back again. Uh, nope. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Absolutely. Actually, you know what we Thanks should do next time? Me. We should bring – We should bring. I'm not bringing Carl in. It would just be a big clusterfuck. <laughs> Who can we bring in? We'll bring – Carl, Carl is deep. Sometimes. Uh, it depends on how he feels. He can get shallow and explosive too. So. Sure. But, yeah, it depends on the day. When I get him tired, he goes deep, too. For some reason, Carl and I both, when we're tired, we talk more deep. But uh, maybe we'll get Trent in or something like that to talk with us, too, because he's funny. All right. Perfect. And, oh, again, nice speaking to you. Thanks for Thanks having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Yep. All right. This is Brian Wright. This is Anoop. Hey, uh, tell people where they can find you if they're interested in figuring out who you are a little bit more. Oh, LinkedIn, Anoop Trevetti. I work for Otsuka Pharmaceuticals. Easiest way to find me. Instagram or anything like that? I got a Facebook I'm not much on social media. I okay. know, weird for a millennial, but... No, it's not weird for a millennial. It's, it's what it is. Facebook's kind of weird for a guy your age. It's us it's, old it's, fuckers that are still it's on It's just it. on there. I don't even really use it, but you could... I'll probably get an email or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is Brian Wright. You can find me at brianwright732.com. That's the center for all of my content. You can also find me at brianwright732 on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the gym, KillerBCSA on Instagram, on Twitter, and at KillerBCSA.com. The podcast, TheHiveCast.com. You can download all of our episodes. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud. I, I find the best way right now is if you go to TheHiveCast.com. You can just find all of our episodes there. It's super easy. So uh, thank you again to the people that continue to help us, which are Alienware, Meal Plans to Go, New Jersey Nutrition, who else am I, am I missing? Pure Spectrum, they're another big one. i got to talk more about my experience using Pure Spectrum. They actually help me a lot with pain issues that I have from time to time. Um, if I missed anybody, I'm sorry. I'll get to you next time. This is Brian Wright, my guest, Anoop, and this is The Hive. We are out. All right, dude, good work.